Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Dr. David Kieran, an Associate Professor and Colonel Richard R. Halleck Distinguished Chair in Military History at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. David is a fellow colleague of mine on the Columbus State faculty. I became interested in speaking with him after reading some recent interviews in our local news around the time that Fort Benning was renamed as Fort Moore this past spring. On this episode, we will discuss the renaming of Fort Moore and how we interpret memorializations in the contemporary Southern U.S. culture. On the following episode, we will explore the work David does with students at Columbus State, engaging them in community-centered historical research and leveraging the regional access of Columbus. Fort Moore is located just south of Columbus, Georgia, along Interstate 185, and until May 11, 2023, was named Fort Benning after the pro-slavery Confederate General Henry L. Benning. The name Fort Moore comes from the military family of Lieutenant General Hal Moore and his wife, Julia Moore. General Moore served for over 30 years in the U.S. military, including during the Vietnam War. Julia Moore was a major advocate for policy changes and how military spouses and families are notified when their loved ones lose their lives during service. As a military historian, David was able to bring a refined perspective to the renaming of Confederate memorializations in contemporary times, including Fort Moore in our local Columbus and Chattahoochee Valley community. Because where I first heard your name wasn't even in a CSU thing as much as the local news when you spoke to someone, I forget which news outlet it was, I've got it pulled up here, it was WRBL, mm-hmm. about the renaming of Fort Benning to Fort Moore uh, fairly recently. And that, I'll give you my background and tell you kind of my fascination with that. So I'm not from the South. I am from Illinois. Originally, I taught in the elementary schools there for 11 years, eventually got my master's in then my doctorate and came down here to work in our teacher education programs. And it's been a bit of a culture I don't want to call it culture shock, but it's been different to come down to the South and see like Confederate memorials and to see things named after Confederate figures and generals and things like that to drive from Columbus to Disney World with my family and see signs for like, I don't remember the exact name. It was like the Sons of the Confederate Union or something like it's an organization that's still there. I see the Confederate flag more than I'm used to seeing it when I was in the Midwest. And then the idea of uh, changing the name of Fort Benning to Fort Moore recently was really interesting and like how people interpreted that, whether it was some perceived it as as a good change, some perceived it as maybe um, against, I don't know if I want to, if calling it Southern cultural values is the right word, you could definitely correct me because you're more educated on the matter than I am, but I guess like, what's that been like for you? Because people have wanted to talk to you because it's your area of expertise of navigating the people who are for and who are against renaming places like military bases? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's it's certainly been interesting to be here in Columbus while that renaming process has been happening because right. um, certainly it's something I've been paying attention to and, and that I've studied from afar. And I'm not an expert on civil war history and, and civil war memory, but I do study war and memory writ large. My my interest is specifically post-Vietnam. Right. But to 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 be here on the ground in Columbus when that renaming is happening 
offers an opportunity to, to see the much more personal uh, and on the ground local impacts of that renaming and the debates on a, on a more granular level. Right. I think you get a sense of when, you know, I came from Pittsburgh and I, and like you, I'm a northerner. I grew up in Massachusetts. I went to college in Connecticut. I went to graduate school in Washington, D.C. When I got to Washington, D.C., I thought that was the South. Uh, <laughs> and uh so to to be in a in a place where I am not uh, as familiar and to have to think about what are the cultural uh, investments, what is the history here, how are people approaching this, it really was an opportunity to think about um, the way large historical phenomena have local impact. Mm -hmm. What we have seen and are continuing to see is that this is an ongoing conversation, right? That mm -hmm. the question of what we should remember, who we should remember, why we should remember it, and and how we should remember it are are are, are cultural questions that each generation has to answer, right? Right. So those memorials or the naming of a a school or a park or a building or a military installation for a person. Those were choices that people made in a particular moment and they had reasons for doing it then. Right. And the way I always talk about this with students is to uh, there's a quote in one of the books that we uh, read in my war and memory seminar from Fitzhugh Brundage, who's a uh, historian at university of North Carolina and a really wonderful historian of the South. And he says, in something that we assign, we own the memorial landscape, right? It doesn't belong to the people of the past. It doesn't belong to the people of the future. Right now, the people living in this community get to decide what we want to remember, how we want to remember it, and to articulate the reasons why. And if those reasons are different than the generation that came before us, well, then we have to have a conversation about what changes we need to make and how and why. And we have to assume that the next generation will, will also do that because memorialization is a process through which groups of people articulate their values. They articulate what's important to them. And when we name something after somebody, um, you know, you think about putting a statue in a park or putting uh, a person's name on an elementary school or something like that. What we're essentially saying is this person represents something that we think others should aspire to, right? We think this person represents uh, some set of uh, ideals or values that are important to our community. And that's why we do it, right? The, the memorials, statues in public parks don't sprout up overnight, right? Somebody has to decide to put it there. Yeah. And if we start getting to the point of talking about, well, what are we doing it? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? What ideas, uh, values, aspirations are, are, are being uh, encapsulated in this decision, then you open up a conversation that I think most people are open to. Yeah, I think it's really important to emphasize that nobody at Fort Benning woke up one morning and said, you know what I think <laughs> we should do? Let's rename this, uh, right. this relation, right? There was a, an act of Congress. It's in the National Defense Authorization Act that the United States Department of Defense would create a commission to study uh, 
elements of in the armed forces, whether they were military installations, buildings on particular installations, ships named for people who had volunteered to fight for the Confederacy and specifically to develop a plan for renaming those inst- those uh, elements. And so everybody at Fort Benning or Fort Bragg or there was like nine bases, right? Was that, yeah, is that I think correct? it's 11. I'm, it's either nine or 11. I, okay. You know, but there's other things too, right? There's, there's roads on various installations. There's built particular buildings. There's, there's at least one ship. Um, and so the Department of Defense created a commission to study this, right? They, they were mandated by law to do it. And then once those regu- those recommendations uh, were, were produced and accepted, at individual installations, that process had to be followed. Now, were the, rec- was the recommendations like how to logistically do it or whether to do it or not? What what was the the recommendation, well, the nature of the, them, I the, guess? The law itself specified that it had to be done. So that happened first, then the commission was, got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the question then becomes, okay, what are we going to if, it, if, if this place can't be named for this person, what should it be named for? And I think that's the most important part of this story is, okay. at least as I've seen it unfold here at, at in Columbus, um, which is that the requirement that what had been Fort Benning be renamed created an opportunity to say, what are the values we would like to recognize and that we would like to lift up and hold up for the next generation and the next generations of soldiers coming through those gates, whether they're coming for basic training or jump school or ranger school or to serve in a unit that's home at Fort Benning. And one of the, and the decision that was made was to recognize Hal and Julia Moore, right? For, for his service in in Vietnam, the Battle of the Idrang, but also his long career up through being a three-star general and, and deputy chief of staff for personnel. And the the work that he and Julia Moore did to put the army on the path to better serving military families. Yeah. And, and that they really occupy this pivotal moment in military history, right? That, that this period that he's a senior officer from when he's a lieutenant colonel in 65 to the end of his career in the I guess late seventies as a three-star general is this period of enormous change for the army. When the army is, you know, going through Vietnam, coming out of Vietnam, the draft is ending, you're transitioning to an all volunteer military and the all volunteer military is going to be a military that has families, right? You're not drafting 19 year olds who serve for a year or two years anymore. You're drafting people who you expect will stay and have a career. And if they're going to do that, they're, Probably many of them will wish to have a family of some sort, and that family is going to need to be taken care of inside of this larger army institution. So the Moors were part of that change and represent the army's efforts to to serve families. And so, you know, you think about the battlefield heroism of Hal Moore, but also his administrative acumen and moving up to one of the most uh, prominent positions in uh, army leadership and and the work that his wife did as a, a military spouse. And, and the naming commission said, his service at Fort Benning gives us an opportunity to recognize 
their work as a family and what they meant to the army and the army's efforts to take care of military families. And so the way the army has approached it, the way I, I think uh, I've, I approach it, and I think this is the, the right way to approach it is to say, here's a set of values that we want the next generation of soldiers to embrace. You're taking care of your soldiers, making sure their families are well cared for. Those are things that that are important. Um, and that we want soldiers and their families to think about every day when they drive through those gates. And that's how the army and and, uh, and many of us who are in favor of the change have come to think about it. I don't think there's been much resistance to that. You know, what I've seen in the past couple of months is I think most people are, are pretty happy with that change okay. uh, to the extent that there's people who. And it'll always be Benning to me. I don't think that's ideological. I don't yeah. think it's I'm a Henry Benning fan or I'm a neo-Confederate or I'm a, I don't think it's any of that. I think it's often that's where I was born and I was born in the hospital on Fort Benning or my dad went to basic training or that's where I went to jump school. It's sort of a, a very it's a personal connection that's not tied to the ideology of the Confederacy that Henry Benning's part of. Right. That's what it's always been in Columbus. Could you call that like tra- like a sense of tradition too, to a degree? Tradition in terms of like, this is where I came from. This is what we called it. Why do we have to change it? Yeah, and and uh, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's right. And, uh, and I think even within that, there's some of, why do we have to change it is part of it, but also, mm-hmm. you know, it's Fort Benning, but it's not to me, Henry Benning. And what, you know, I've, I've heard some of that in the community. It's more of a name. It, 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 the, and I guess if the meaning's lost, then why do they care so much if the name changes yeah. too? And then if we, we have an, you called it an opportunity, which I liked an opportunity to recognize the, the work that the Moors did for military and military families. Yeah. And that's pretty and I think nice. for the next, for the next generation, it'll be, oh yeah, Fort Moore is where I went to basic training and Fort Moore right. is where I, you know, my kid was born or whatever it might be. The idea of memorials as a representation of our current values as a society was an enlightening thing for me in the conversation I had with David. While locally there has not been much explicit resistance to the Fort Moore renaming, nor does the name change the operations and good work being done for our troops and country at this United States Army post, it appears this will be a talked about issue in the 2024 presidential nomination race. Current GOP candidates Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence have both said publicly in recent months that they would revert the naming of bases like Fort Liberty back to Fort Bragg, another Confederate general who was a public proponent of slavery and was also a slave owner. While memorials are, at the end of the day, names and bronzed edifices, they are representative of the values and figures we want to place front and center for future generations to learn from and model their versions of our democratic society after, ideally a society that is centered around respect for all identities and backgrounds. We will conclude exploring David's narrative on the next episode on this podcast feed. You can follow David on Twitter at DavidKieran2. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.